Luke chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. Now I have a question for the kids who come to Bible Club. Raise your hand if you come to Bible Club. Okay, we sing a song called There Were Twelve Disciples, and it gives some of their names. What are some of their names? Go ahead. Yeah, there was, what, Shannon? Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Anyone else want to throw out some names? James. Simon. Matthew. John, good. Yes. Jesus, okay, they followed Jesus, right? So... There were 12 disciples, Peter, Simon Peter, yes. 12 disciples Jesus called to help him. But you know one thing I noticed in that song, as we sing that song? There are no girls in that list. Dreadful, no girls in that list of 12 disciples. You may not be aware... You probably are since we read this scripture. While there were 12 men who learned at Jesus' feet and were trained to lead the church, there were also some other disciples that we often forget or leave out of the narrative of Jesus' life. I've titled this message, Disciples in High Heels, although <laughs> I realize Heather said they wore sandals. Well, yes, but, um, but everybody wore sandals, so... So Luke the physician wrote this gospel. He was a historian, and it's been called the gospel of women because Luke is very careful to point out the place of women in Jesus' life and in his ministry. And Luke traveled with Paul as Paul did his, as, as Paul evangelized the world, really, in his missionary trips. And Paul notably said in Galatians, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And Paul was not saying that there's not a difference between male and female. He was not saying it doesn't matter whether God made you male or female, because he addresses that in other places. But he's saying as far as our standing in the kingdom of God, we are all equal before God. He certainly wasn't saying there's no difference between Jew and Greek. He had lived in both cultures. He knew there's a big difference between the Jewish culture and the Greek culture. But he was saying be, he, at the cross, we're all equal. In the kingdom of God... We are equal. And so whether you are a brother this morning or a sister, whether you are a male disciple or a female disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we are on level ground together. We can make two mistakes, and, and probably more, but two that I thought of about the place of women in the church. One mistake people often make is to suppose that the church is just for women, that serving Christ is fine for women and children, but not for real men. Uh, there are a lot of boyfriends, there are a lot of husbands, there are a lot of uh, uh, dads that are very content for their wives and girlfriends and children to, to, serve, to serve God, to come to church and to be a part of it. But they're like, that's for you, that's not for me. That's a mistake we made. Jesus chose 12 male disciples to follow him as well. But another mistake, just as serious, is to suppose that only men have any real function in the kingdom of God 
and that the women in the church are only there to help the men do God's work. To the women in attendance today, I want to say Christ is calling you today, not just your husband, not just your father, not just your son, but He's calling you to be a faithful, fruitful follower of Jesus Christ. I want to look briefly this morning at these women who follow Jesus and three characteristics that also characterize present-day women of faith. And if you're a guy, don't tune out, okay? These women were disciples of Jesus, but we have a lot of things we can learn from them and the 12 disciples had a lot of things they could have learned from them if they would have. So let's not be typical guys and not, not uh, ask for directions this morning. But let's look at the example of these women disciples of Jesus and look at how we can perhaps follow Jesus in a similar way that they did. So... The first thing I see, if you look at verse 2, it says, Certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. These disciples who followed him, first of all, they had been delivered. They had been delivered. I went to church with a woman named Beverly Carey. Actually, so did Lydia and so did Andrew. And Sister Beverly, she's gone to heaven now. She had a deep, gravelly voice like a man. She would, little grandma-type lady, she'd be sitting down. She'd stand up to testify. I'm thankful for what the Lord's done for me. And, and all the newcomers to the church would just like, who's, who's talking there? You know, it sounds like Paul Harvey or something. I'm sorry, that's, nobody knows Paul Harvey anymore. I'm getting old. Um, she would stand to testify with a glow on her face. She had lived just, I think about a couple years before I'd met her, she'd lived for drinking, smoking, and her daily lottery ticket. She went to the bar every day. That was just her, her lifestyle. She had lost her daughter because of her lifestyle. She despaired of ever seeing her daughter again. Her routine was a daily trip to the bar and living off whatever food she could get from food banks. That was just her, her life. A pretty pathetic life at 50, 60 years old, whatever she was, then her life had just been wasted. But one day, a resident of the same building that she lived in, building like yours, James, that you live in, where everyone's telling you will come to church someday, and, uh, and it doesn't seem like they will. And she kept telling them, yes, someday. But finally, she came to Bible study, and she ended up being introduced to Jesus Christ, and she was saved. To her surprise, she went home that day, not knowing, any, not knowing anything about how to live as a Christian or anything like that. She woke up in the morning. She went through her day. And she realized all of a sudden, I'm not at the bar. I'm not drinking. I don't even desire it. And that was her witness to salvation. She realized God has done something in my life and has totally transformed my desires. And if you had met her when we knew her, the only sign of the lifestyle she lived was that deep voice from years and years of smoking. But her life had been completely transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. God gave her back her sobriety, gave her back her self-respect, her relationship with her daughter, and a ministry in the local church. And I've met a lot of people who love Jesus, but I haven't met a whole lot of people who've loved him quite like she did. She had been delivered. These women who followed Jesus had been delivered. 
the verse says certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities were with him. And, and right there, Luke lists three of them. Three that probably the people he's writing to would recognize those names and say, we know them. Uh, there was Mary called Magdalene, meaning she was from Magdala. Joanna and Susanna. And it doesn't tell us what Joanna and Susanna were delivered from, but we're told plainly that Mary Magdalene was delivered from seven devils. These disciples had been delivered. God is still in the de delivering business. I, I thought about who, who might some of these other women be that followed Jesus that aren't mentioned by name here. Uh, of course, there was Mary Magdalene who was possessed by demons, bound by addictions, hopeless apart from God. God had delivered her. He wants to deliver some more women at the wells. Uh, these women who are too ashamed of their sin to admit it and seek to cover it with excuses and detours and, and changing the subject. Um, but, but Jesus Jesus directed her right to her heart and, and, and to Him and to the living water that He offered and gave her living water. Maybe she was a disciple who followed Him. He wants to deliver some women uh, like Mary, His mother. Maybe some of you have found yourself in a spot like this where you're serving a bunch of people and all of a sudden there's not enough to go around. And, and just in the daily responsibilities of life and trying to extend hospitality and all the pressures that come with that, Mary asked Jesus for help, and Jesus delivered him, delivered her and, and the family that was, that, was in that, uh, that was under that pressure. He wants to deliver some sisters who are mourning the loss of a brother, like Mary and Martha, who uh, their brother was brought back to life, Lazarus was. And, and maybe your brother isn't dead. or Maybe those close to you aren't dead, but they may as well be. They seem lost to you. They seem so far away. God wants to deliver. He wants to deliver some women caught in adultery or even those who haven't been caught. Remember that woman that Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. She was facing death. She was facing shame. She was facing um, you know, being ostracized from society. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And he wants to tell some women this morning, Go and sin no more. He wants to deliver some women with chronic issues, like the woman with disease, uh, the, the disease of the, of the blood that couldn't find help anywhere else. But remember, she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and he delivered her. He wants to deliver some women whose daughters and sons are grievously vexed with the devil, like the woman we talked about last week who... Um, you know, it's when, when we hurt, our moms hurt. And, um, and God wants to answer some of those prayers. He wants to deliver, deliver you from those situations. He wants to help you there. These women had been delivered. That's why they followed Jesus, because their lives had been completely transformed. I don't know what battle you face this morning as a mother. I don't know what battles you face as a woman seeking to follow God. But I do want to tell you this morning, God is equal more than equal to any obstacle you may face. The devil will bring discouragement. He'll bring disillusionment. He'll bring dissatisfaction. But God is coming with deliverance. If you can reach out and touch the hem of his garment, if you can trust him for that, God will bring you deliverance. Take hold of his promise and rest on his word. Be a disciple of Jesus. They've been delivered. It's wonderful to be delivered. But these women went a step further. They were delivered, but then they were discipled. You know, it's wonderful to be delivered from sin. And the moment God delivers us from sin, He begins a process with us of teaching us about Himself, teaching us about His Word. In fact, that's the Holy Spirit's role. He's our teacher. 
in verse 1, if you go back to verse 1, it says the 12 were with him. And then it, in verse 2, it adds, and certain women, those women we talked about. So they were with him as well. What were they with him for? What, what were they in Jesus' presence for? What, they, what were they hanging around him for? They were there to learn from him, just as the men were. A disciple is a learner, and we find that throughout Jesus' ministry, he taught both men and women, not just one group. Uh, some Bible colleges you go to, um, only the men are allowed to take theology classes, only the men are allowed to take the more, you know, the deeper classes, and the women take classes on cooking and cleaning and things like that. And uh, probably some of us men could benefit from classes like that. But when Jesus taught, when the 5,000 were fed, remember he was teaching them and then he was moved with compassion because they were hungry. And that's how we know there were men there because they were hungry. There were 5,000 men plus women and children who were listening to Jesus teach. He taught men and women. There's a fascinating passage in Luke 10 that tells us of a disciple who sat at Jesus' feet and learned from him. And it was not a man, it was a woman. Uh, it says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, for you are anxious and disturbed. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And Matthew Henry said she sat at his feet as scholars sat at the feet of their tutors when they were read their lectures. Hence Paul is said to be brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. And he said, Our sitting at Christ's feet when we hear his word signifies a readiness to receive it and a submission and entire resignation of ourselves to the guidance of it. Mary sat at his feet because she wanted to hear his teachings and she wanted to put it into practice. And if we want to be disciples of Jesus Christ, whether a man or a woman, he's looking for students, he's looking for learners, he's looking for practicers who will put the truth that they learn at Jesus' feet into practice in their lives. He told Martha that Mary had chosen the better part. As mothers and as, as women, you find that there are many practical things that, that must be done. And men too, you know, um, there's, there's the laundry, the dishes, the diaper, the work. The list differs a bit for each one, but there's, there are all those things that make up our, our lives, right? But there are still, there are still some things that we must choose in the midst of that. And in the midst of our business, uh, of our business or busyness, whichever, we must make time to learn of Christ. It may not be a lot of time sometimes. It might be, for young mothers, it might be a quick moment snatched from the jaws of a teething child, or it might be, might be uh, multitasking, you know, washing the dishes and listening to the scripture on your phone or something. But make time in your day to sit at Jesus' feet and to learn of Him. Make time in your week to learn of Christ. You're here this morning, and I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for it. That's what we're doing. We're making time to learn of Christ, to sit at His feet. When you come to church, it's not to hear my wisdom. Uh, I hope. And even as I prepare these messages, I trust that you will hear Christ speaking to you through them. Um, so don't come to church to sit at my feet, but come to church to sit at His feet and to learn of Him. Choose the better part like Mary did. Choose to be a disciple, a learner, a practicer of Jesus' Word. So they were delivered. They were discipled. They learned of Christ. And that led to 
They were devoted. Verse 3 tells us how important these women disciples and others were to Christ's ministry. It says, they ministered unto him their substance. And that means these women, who probably had substantial wealth, some of them, were willing to support Jesus' ministry because they had been delivered and they were disciples, current followers of Jesus Christ. The front men for Jesus were the twelve disciples, those ones we sang about, Peter, James, Andrew, uh, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, his brother John, etc., etc., and they got the attention, they made the blunders, they had first dibs on the leftovers, apparently, according to a lot of commentators. But behind their prominent work that was out front, that people saw, was the support of a few women whose lives had been changed by the Savior, and who had devoted their lives and their fortunes to the ministry of Jesus Christ. There's probably no higher form of worship than consecration, giving yourself entirely to God. And these women gave to support Christ's ministry. They were showing that they, not just their money, but they were devoted to Christ. You remember Mary poured an expensive fragrance on Jesus' feet. And she was condemned by others for her extravagance. But she was commended by Christ. This was probably her life savings and she had poured it at Jesus' feet. I think of Bertha Monroe. She lived in the early 1900s, uh, up to the 1970s, I believe. And she was intellectual, spiritual, and gifted in many ways. She went to work for a fledgling holiness college and stayed there for many years, influencing generation after generation of students, including someone who became uh, my teacher and the teacher of some here. She was not fulfilled in the ways many of us think of fulfillment. She never had children. She never got married. She even didn't reach the pinnacle of academic success because when she was seeking a doctorate, she felt convicted. After she'd done all the work, she felt convicted and felt like I should not have the degree. And she, she gave up that degree. Um, but she was devoted. She was devoted to Jesus Christ and, and changed generations of, of students. And she said, you cannot know until you have tried it the joy there is living at the center of God's will. That is the normal life. The bird with wings was made for the skies. These women who had been Delivered from sin, discipled by Christ, they found their purpose in devotion to Jesus Christ. And so will you. It has been said often that these women and others were the last at the cross and the first at the tomb. They were, they were the ones there when Jesus died. They didn't run away like the male disciples. And then they even went to anoint the body uh, early in the morning on, on Resurrection Sunday. And, and I was thinking about this last night and it was just kind of cracking me up because I... Um, you know, it just seems like the women would say, we've got to anoint the body, and the male disciples would be like, what's the point? He's already dead. You know, why? You know, and, and it, it's just it's not surprising to me they were the ones there. But also, one thing we need to realize, these women were women of means, and, and they were probably, the dis disciples, the, the 12 we think about, probably couldn't have afforded the spices and the different things that they would have used to anoint the body anyway. That was another way of these women showing their devotion to Christ. But also, even after he had died, even after they had given up hope, they were still devoted. They were still attached. They were still, he, he was still their, their hope that they were cling, clinging to, even when it just seemed like everything had fallen apart. Luke 24.10 says it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna. Mary Magdalene and Joanna are mentioned in that passage we read. And Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the disciples. So these women 
who seemed to be so far behind the scenes, little mentioned in the rest of the New Testament, were a key part of Christ's ministry, and they became the first ones to spread the news to the disciples, the 12 disciples that we always talk about. They were the first ones to tell them Jesus is alive. A few weeks ago, we talked about the treasure of the virtuous woman from Proverbs 31. But God does not tell us to value virtuous women and then ignore them himself. We see in these passages that women of faith, women who are delivered, women who are discipled, women who are devoted, are a key part of the redemption story. You are valuable to Jesus Christ this morning. I want to make three applications in closing today. So first of all, to all of us, and especially to, to us men, we should value the place that God gives women in the church and in His kingdom. That means giving priority to their spiritual development. Development It means giving them opportunity for them to use their gifts and resources in God's kingdom. And whether your gifts are teaching or prophesying or hospitality or encouragement, we should encourage the development and use of the gifts God has given you in this church. Secondly, to the mothers. I don't doubt that as a mother, God has entrusted you with a huge task equal only to His grace that He is willing and wanting to provide. Sometimes it will take every ounce of your devotion to see the tasks through. But I can't overstate this morning your importance as a mother to God's kingdom. We talk a lot, I talk a lot about John Wesley and his contributions to the church. But I don't talk as much, and maybe I should, about Susanna, his mother. She was in a difficult marriage, had many, many children. At one point, she and her husband separated because they disagreed about the King of England. Now, that seems like a really silly reason to separate, but her husband was really not very um, balanced. Uh, Wesley was frugal, but his father had not been. His father was always in debt. But even in all of those situations, all of the difficult family situations and the messed up lives and all of that, Susanna Wesley prayed for and taught Wesley. And it is little doubt, little question... There is little question that his kingdom success, much of it could be traced to a delivered, discipled, devoted woman. As a mom, you are not superwoman. You may feel like you have to be sometimes. You are not superwoman. But one thing you can be as a mother is a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And then to all women who are here this morning, there are many things you can be as a woman, as a mother. Many contributions you can make to society, to your community, to your family, and to the kingdom of God. But the first and most important commitment you can make is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. To follow Him. To be delivered from your sin. Ask Him for deliverance. Ask Him for help. To be discipled. Prioritize learning who Jesus is and, and what He wants of you. And be devoted. Uh, complete, completely surrendered to Jesus Christ. So to all of us, I'd ask these three questions. Have you been delivered? Have you been truly delivered from sin, both in outward actions and in your heart? Are you being discipled? Are you sitting at Jesus' feet? Are you learning of Him? And are you devoted? Does your body, does your wealth, does your resource, resources, do your relationships belong to Jesus Christ? There were 12 disciples, but He sure wants to call a lot more. And um, He wants you and me to be disciples of Jesus Christ, to be delivered, to be discipled, and to be devoted to Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for each one who's here this morning. 
I pray that you'll bless our, our mothers, Lord, that you'll bless each one who's here. And Lord, help each one of us to know the joy that comes from being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm going to ask you to remain seated for a moment. And um, Lydia, would you mind coming back to the piano and um, playing softly? I've decided to follow Jesus. And I need uh, some volunteers up here. Let's see, Elena and Kiera and Priya, wherever Priya is. Okay, you can come on up. And uh, maybe, uh, Grandpa, you can bring Tashi. And maybe Mr. Clayton can come up with Josh. And we have a gift for each one of the mothers. I'm just going to ask the mothers to stand up. Mom, Uncle Chair. I have a Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful day. No, these are for the mommy.